You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to another episode of Nightmare on Film Street, the podcast presented by... I'm Kim. I'm John. Did I do good? You did great. Was that great? (laughs) Yeah, you did awesome. I just wanted people to know that it was a podcast. I was gonna ask why you had to point that out. In case they didn't know. Like, they were just like, wait, what is this in my ear? Is this the radio play Nightmare on Film Street? (laughs) Presented by Roma Wines. (laughs) And Fangoria, which is episode number two. I'm excited. Pumped. It's time month. We're talking about time. It's about time. Don't. <laughs> That's right. All February long. February this year is a leap year. Which, which means, means it's a long ass month. Right? Still shorter than the average month, but long for February. February's the worst month of the year. We can all agree on that. The weather's awful. It's like the planet is trying to kill us. <laughs> and it has one extra day this year and it might succeed. Maybe that's all it needed. Like every four years it just works up enough energy just like one more snowstorm and they're gone. I love the idea of a leap year in general. And I know this is kind of a tangent I'm going on, but it just shows that our math is bad. And instead of fixing the math at like a societal level, we'll just like, eh, we'll just add a day every few years or so. We'll catch up. Yeah, we'll just we'll just let it bank up until we get a holiday like, out of it. We are telling time incorrectly enough that a whole day is needed to, to get us back on track. Well, I mean, it depends how nitty gritty you want to get about time, because like when we have like really terrible tsunamis, they actually affect time. <laughs> What? Yeah. So, like, one of the last uh, gigantic tsunamis we had in Japan shook the earth so heavily, from what I understand, or was such a powerful weather pattern that it affected the earth's rotation to a slight degree, which in turn affects time by, like, 0.0012 of a second. There are a lot of factors is what I'm getting at. That is horrifying, I guess, so it is the right tone for the podcast. (laughs) We're calling February Leap Fear Month here at Nightmare on Film Street, so we're talking time travel, time paradoxes, time loops. We're getting into the terror of time and all of that means. Uh, we've got, obviously, we've got a whole host of editorials over at nofspodcast.com, but this month we specifically will be covering those topics here on the podcast, beginning with 2007's Time Crimes and 2009's Triangle. Triangle. Before we get started, though, Kim, I gotta ask you, what's keeping you creepy this week? Well, John and all the fellas listening, just a reminder that it's Valentine's Day this weekend. Friday is Valentine's Day, which, by the Blumhouse calendar, means we're getting a new Blumhouse film. Uh, For some reason, the last few years, they've they've staked a claim on Valentine's Day, so we'll be getting Fantasy Island this weekend. Which we'll probably check out. I don't know when we're going to see it, but I'm sure we'll find time. Well, we've got some birthdays we need to go to for like 90-year-old grandmas. Grandmas turn to 90! Oh, it's a, it's, it's a big year, right? <laughs> uh, so we might not be able to see that uh, opening day, but we're going to check it out. I do like that they've taken sort of like this fan theory of Fantasy Island. Like, I don't think Fantasy Island is as 
as nice as it is on the surface, like as it appears, like there has been a long standing theory that it's actually like a hellscape. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. So I don't know anything about Fantasy Island, so I might want to browse up the Wikipedia nah. page on the. Okay. I think you're fine. Okay. You you go to a you go to an island, you fulfill your fantasies, and but it's bad. <laughs> you know what you should do is look up some comedians talking about Fantasy Island. That'll paint a better picture. Okay. It was a TV show, right? It was a TV show. Okay. But, I mean, Valentine's Day is also movie day for Fangoria. You probably heard at the top of the show. VFW is finally coming to a theater near you, but also VOD if it's not at a theater near you. This is one of your favorites from last year, right? This oh, is... my God. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it was. <laughs> this movie kicks so much ass. Like, uh, it's so hard to talk about because I don't, wanna over... I don't necessarily want to overhype it, but this movie rocks it has some of the coolest old dudes just kicking the shit out of new, like mutant punk bikers it's my kind of movie like, <laughs> when have you not wanted to see steven lang just beat the shit out of a bunch of guys i like him yeah he's the best right and he kicks a lot of ass in this movie what did we watch him young in recently manhunter oh right that may or may not be coming up <laughs> But yeah, once again, uh, VFW from Joe Bigos hits theaters this weekend, and you know I hope those I hope those theaters are ready to hit back because this movie's throwing punches, and uh, it's great. Speaking of movies throwing punches, what? perfect segue. The Hunt from Blumhouse and Universal is back on. I don't know if you caught it. There is a new trailer and a brand new poster, and it is so sassy. I fucking love it. New favorite poster. It's so great. Oh yeah. All of these angry quotes. This movie's dangerous. This movie's awful. We shouldn't. People should not see this garbage. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited for the movie. I'm happy it's getting a release because all the politics aside, I do not think art should be censored. And I I I didn't I understood that the backlash that caused them to pull it, but I'm glad that they've reworked and rejived to get it out there because we shouldn't be passing judgment on movies we have not seen yet. Right? And by all accounts, from the people that have seen it, it's a, an incredibly satirical movie from, from what I'm hearing. Well, that's the thing, too. And, and I got that from the first few trailers I saw anyways, is that it's a commentary on the division that's happening right now. So no matter what side of the division you're on, you got to admit that it exists. <laughs> I mean, it, it seems a lot like... It seems like it exists in the same world as The Purge, and we all seem to be fine with The Purge. The yeah, Purge movies and The are Purge awesome. does fucking weird, crazy, dark shit. And we got another one coming! <laughs> oh, I can't wait. But yeah, so The Hunt is coming this March. It's it's coming out this March. Yeah, not to keep talking about trailers, but did you guys see that new Saw trailer? Spiral? The Chris Rock, Samuel Jackson Saw movie? I'm very excited for this one. It looks like it's going to be closer to the first Saw movie with the um, the detective cop procedural bit. We did get a little few glimpses of some like flashbacky stuff. Chris Rock with a saw, a literal handsaw. Hey, you got to do it. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to see where they go with it because they're they're trying to refresh the franchise a little bit. So I don't think this is going to be directly as violent and gory and gross as the later Saw movies got. But I mean, it's got to have the... Uh, the hallmark elements of a Saw film, we're going to have some traps, which is, I mean, that's what we're all there for. I'm ready for some games. Give me the traps. <laughs> yeah, oh, if there isn't a puppet, I'm rioting. <laughs> I need that creepy doll riding a tricycle. I don't think there's going to be, I don't know. You don't? I don't know. No. We're, we're, well, we're going to get the, the spiral in some sense, I'm assuming, which is the eye of the puppet, right? Yeah. Maybe a couple 
camera lights or something. There's good, there's at least going to be a cameo. Like, we're going to go into his lair, his workshop, and there's going to be a little doll, and he's going to be like, the fuck is this? <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that's about it. Like, this guy's definitely fucked up. He's got dolls. But before we get to this week's movies, we do have some patrons to shout out. That's right. I want to give a quick shout out to our most recent patron supporters, Bradley, Jess, Josh, Bradley 2, Jess 2, Josh 2, I'm Bradley 3. Okay. I see what's happening here. You've found a time machine and you've you've figured out how to game the system and create multiple accounts and congratulations on you. I really I'm so proud that what you you took the most powerful piece of technology there is out there, multiplied yourselves to support the show a little extra. That's so kind. Thank you so much Bradley, Jess and Josh. I hope you enjoy all of the hours of bonus content available to you at patreon.com slash nightmare on film street. But without further ado, it is time to talk about time. Warning, there's going to be a lot of these puns throughout this episode. I'm sure of it. You don't want to say the title of the movie? Coming up, Time Crimes from 2007, Time Crimes is currently sitting at an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes, 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb, 3 out of 4 from Roger Ebert, 68% on Metacritic, and 3.6 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Hmm. This was, in my memory, one of the best uh, time travel movies that I had ever seen. And this is maybe a good spot to say... I'm kind of a nerd for time travel movies. You're such a nerd for time travel. I like loops. <laughs> <laughs> You've been trying to get this this movie on the podcast for a while now. I have presented so many different pairings of this movie. So the weird thing, and, and I'm going to say this for both the movies we talk about on this episode, time travel movies are actually... Fr- a little like, boring. When you're looking at them from the middle of the movie outwards, like it's hard to get perspective of, because you're, you're not through all the loops yet Mm. and they're still laying groundwork when we were halfway through the movie i was like why are we doing this on the horror podcast yeah no no you're right it's it's a little strange it's more of a sci-fi thing it does get dark and it does yeah yeah i'm excited to talk about it yeah and and we've got some some invisible man moments so like there you go i had originally i was like let's pair it with the invisible man it'll be so great bandage the bad guys and then it was like well let's let's do it with the dead zone they both got scissors for weapons like the 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 comparisons got very thin 
very thin, uh, and I'm happy we're doing it now. Yeah, I think what we've paired it with is actually pretty good. Time travel, bag head uh, versus bandage head time yeah, travel. Yeah, yeah. This couldn't have worked out better. So it worked out really well. Um, sometimes the things come to those who wait. <laughs> you just got to work on that loop-to-loop. Got to be patient. Got to spend some time on it. So this was my first time watching Time Crimes. Yeah. Um, halfway through the movie, I was like, I am not enjoying this. Like, I got a little bored halfway through, uh, which is my own fault, because this movie pays off in a really fun and well thought out way. Congratulations to time travel movies in general, because you always seem to be underestimated at the midpoint. <laughs> and then, surprise, surprise, you know you're theoretical time travel <laughs> the problem is when you've seen a few time travel movies because they have similar beats and, yeah and you you know there's a groundwork we have to lay and follow and i i don't know if that's well i would say that's probably true about every time travel movie that's ever been made but definitely in the last while there seems to be a template that we kind of stick to that we have to and like it's in that that twist at the end where like things start to get very interesting yeah um, the the cool thing though about and i'll give this movie credit because it does it very well is that we all know that when we're watching a movie that's going to have time loops that the second loop or the third loop if we're going that deep is going to affect the first loop in some way so we're very aware that there are things that aren't going to be explained in the first pass around and even the second pass around um, but this movie does a really great job at making us forget about unanswered questions. Like, particularly the moment that surprised me the most was when Hector 2 is run off the road. I, it didn't even occur to me that it was Hector 3 that ran Hector 2 off the road. Yeah, 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 yeah. It buries its, its secrets in, in a really great way. That's a really good. That's a really good description for it. It's funny because when that comes, uh, I had also kind of forgotten who had done that. But for I, I don't know what it is about, uh, like a hit and run where you just like ah, it's a movie. It happens in real life too. Whatever. Yeah. It's just like oh, somebody got smashed and then they they took off. And it also this movie uses comedy in a really fun way because Hector is such a great character to get wrapped up in a time travel movie because he's lazy. He's so he's lazy. Dumb. Yep. And he's kind of thick-headed the whole reason why he has to do this loop three times is he is because he's so dense because he keeps messing up but the very reason why the very nature that he needs to do it three times is why it happened in the beginning like the whole thing about time travel is it's a perpetual loop like it exists because it exists that is yeah yeah it's that that's a tough one to deal with because there's no start to this it starts with hector sitting down in the lawn chair in the lawn chair, comfortable. And he sees a woman in the forest in binoculars. And it's after we watch him, like, have a nap and his wife builds a table. And yeah. he's just... we don't His have wife a, is so productive. We don't have a high opinion of him in general. Like, she's going to get dinner because he's too lazy to go out again. And then he spies on some woman in the woods, like, undressing. And then he goes chasing after her, which kicks off this time travel escapade. Hey, here's the thing, though. It's not... I, I don't I think it's not just that it's a woman undressing in the woods. There's just something very weird about it, right? Well, he can't see the full s- spectrum of like what's happening in the woods, but he sees a woman. But she's got her hair in her face. Like the way she's standing, it's very odd and weird. Mm-hmm. Now there isn't a, there isn't a moment where he grabs his phone because he's like, I better call the cops if something weird happens. But 
I don't know. Maybe I'm just being too nice to Hector. He definitely goes after. He doesn't say anything to his wife about it, right? No. She comes back. Like, if we were sitting there, I'd be like, you gotta fucking see this. I have no goddamn idea what's happening in the woods right now, but it might be a murder. We need to get the authorities out here immediately. Yeah, but instead he goes out there, and while he, he comes upon this body, she's still alive. She's just knocked out, but she's completely naked, and he's throwing sticks at it, as Hector would do. And as then, Hector would do! And then... It's really jumbled, like we don't see a lot, but he gets stabbed with a pair of scissors and he starts running through the woods. And then we see this horror movie character, like a guy with bandaged face and a trench coat, and it's terrifying. It is one of the best images ever. Hector is hiding behind a tree and he's trying to find his attacker who's a little further down the forest path, I guess. And he's using the binoculars to find him. And when he finally traces onto this guy who's turned away when he turns back and sort of makes eye contact with Hector he's got his hands up around his eyes in the fashion of binoculars there's just like how does this person know so much about you like it is very creepy yeah and that's that's the image that made me seek this movie out so hard back in 2007 and the fun thing about it is the um, the whole bandage visual, the the character that they've made, they explain it so simply later on in the film, but it's such an extreme, like, classic horror silhouette. Yeah. It is the Invisible Man. Yeah, it's the Invisible Man, it's Dark Man, it, it's got Universal Monster written all over Yeah, and it's, like, noir, it's very stylized type of villain character, but this movie isn't that kind of movie no so he does it, not he does not and he's got a weapon like he's got he's got scissors with him like he has a defined weapon but. his appearance in the random woods at the beginning of this film doesn't fit anything nothing it's, at all it's like he popped out of space like he's just in a different movie the wrong film yeah and then when he gets explained and it's so simple but the reason why he becomes this villain is because he already existed so it's just like it's so interesting when you think about it, because even the the binoculars moment where he does the binocular eyes to scare Hector, it's he's doing it because it already happened in the past. Yeah, so Hector is run off by the man in the bandages up to a silo where there is a, a, a man whose, whose cast name is just a young man. He's a scientist. He's played by the director, Nacho Vigalondo. But uh, in an effort to hide from the bandaged man, he's going to put him in this machine and where he'll be safe and because Hector's dumb and scared I mean it's realistically such an idiot. He's, he's very scared is what it comes down to he hops in and then moments later all of a sudden it's daytime again and he's in the past uh where he discovers that he has time traveled for a few hours no not even a f- not even that long really no just earlier in the day yeah like let's let's maybe call it an hour at most He's supposed to sit still because this scientist person has essentially figured out what's happened because it was he had just turned the machine on 20 seconds ago and then this fucking guy appears into it, which is so great. That is like one of my favorite things to think about. That's a great theory about time travel, though, because that would that would happen essentially like. um, Oh, definitely. The second it's created, we've already done all the time traveling. Yeah. Yeah. Mind blown. It would be so annoying the moment you realize that you were right. Because people would just be coming back nonstop, person after person, on vacation, expecting oh, so you true. to Because usher- it would already be commercialized at that point. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That would be the worst. It would be, so- it would be the biggest mistake of your life. 
and you would also get like a Nobel Peace Prize or something, right? Maybe well, and Nobel. then you'd have people fleeing from the apocalypse into your time, right? So he would have a steady line of like refugees from the future. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Refugees, a, tourists, every, it would be everybody. It's going to ruin the economy. <laughs> <laughs> so Hector 2. Hector 2. And so I have to say, they do a great job at differentiating the different timelines of Hector's. And that's how this bandaged character comes into play. Well, yeah, because he can't see himself. He can't, at least before he knows what's going on. Hector 1 can never know about time travel. Well, because Hector 1 doesn't know about time travel. That's exactly it, right? (laughs) If he saw himself in that first instance, then fine, that's part of the loop. But because he never saw himself... He can't see himself. And that's that's kind of the problem with Hector, too. He doesn't really notice, he doesn't really realize it right away, but he has to orchestrate the rest of the day. At first, he's just annoyed. This young kid, this punk, tells him that he can't leave. You gotta stay here. You you know, we'll get a hold of Hector 1, and we'll put him in the machine. We'll, we'll rewrite the wrongs that we just created, and everything will go back to normal. No big deal. But because Hector is a friggin' dummy. And he's just like, oh, this is stupid. I don't want to stick around here. It's weird. I'm going to call my wife. Uh, (laughs) So because he leaves, now he has to become the bandaged man. And now he has to be, and then he realizes that he has to be the person who forces this girl into the forest to strip, to lure Hector. Yeah, and it becomes this weird, rapey thing in the sake of time travel. It, this movie, from her perspective, is so fucked. She has the worst day. Yeah, oh, well, of course. And, and she's got the really worst day, but yeah, she's she's riding her bike, and she just ends up roped into this really fucking weird story just to convince this dunderhead to <laughs> go and be time-traveled. Yeah, and the, the, the whole time he's not staring at her. He's got binoculars trained over on Hector 1 at the house. He's like, all right, I'll take your clothes off. All right, I'll turn your head. It's fine. Everything's going to be okay. I'm not going to hurt you, and you can put them all back on when you're done. Like, it is just bizarre and weird and strange, and uh, nothing seems normal. This guy is just covered in bandages, and uh, she's just trying to help him. She's just a good Samaritan. Yeah, because he was in a car accident. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, from here, this is this is where the movie starts to lag a little bit. Like, once you have the realization, like, oh, Hector's the bandage yeah. man. Like, that's that's cool. Dig that. But then it kind of, like, then it slows down. And yeah, then, because then we watch Hector 2 basically orchestrating Hector 1's day to get him to the science lab to get in the goop. Which is fine. That's that, that's okay. It needs to happen. It's the same with every time travel movie, and, and it's where you figure you've got the rest of the movie clocked out. Yeah. And you're wrong, always. Yeah, you're you, always wrong. Well, hopefully. Not always, <laughs> but hopefully. Uh, because, oh, the introduction of Hector 3. Oh my god, there's a third Hector. And because th- things that- go super wrong for Hector 2. Yes. In Hector 2's efforts to sort of have a normal day, rewrite all the wrongs, and get back to normal, he winds up back at his house where he's chasing the girl uh, from the forest who's gotten away. And he chases her up onto the rooftop. And just as just as she's trying to get away and the cop sirens are just in the distance, you can hear that she has called the police. He accidentally knocks her off the roof where she falls to her death. And we realize, oh, not the girl from the forest. It's actually his wife, Clara. 
and her neck is broken. So Hector, now with the Hector 2, now with the power of time travel, marches back to the science lab and demands to be put back in the goop. Yeah, see, like, what's good about this movie is creating the motivations for the time travel because at first it's just stupidity, right? It's fear, it's protection. Mm -hmm. Like, I need to get away. And he's sort of ensnared in a trap that he can't escape. Like, the whole thing seems a little strange and orchestrated, and the people who are trying to help him have a little bit of malevolence to them. But it's only because he's the only one not in the know. He he has to go in so that they, they orchestrate it that way. But when it comes to Hector 2, now he has to go back because he's he's learned the power of this technology to rewrite the wrongs. Yeah, Just, like, now he's got the intention of actually butterfly-affecting yeah. a correction made to the second loop which is impossible we all know this based on movie logic i mean theoretically (laughs) are you sure because this movie proves that you can't or it doesn't even necessarily prove that you can't but that is the concern of the young man the scientist who tells him you can't go back you can't change the past Mm -hmm. there's nothing you can do about that but hector Hector 2, having just basically killed his wife, doesn't fucking care. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it tears the fabric of time and space itself. He's got to go back. Well, and if you have this new superhero ability, yeah, and he doesn't have any of the weight of it, like he's not the scientist, he didn't create time travel, he just got wrapped up in it, and he's learned of it today, and then the worst possible scenario has just happened to him. Yeah, what's he got he's to lose now? He's going back in it. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah. This movie does... Something so fucking brilliant, too, that I I absolutely love. When Hector 2 decides that he's going to go back in time and become Hector 3, uh, there's only one way to do it. He has to go back before Hector 1 appears, and he hides behind a cabinet. And then we have this great zoom, like it's the end of Fight Club, and we're re-seeing <laughs> earlier scenes from the movie where you there's love a fucking arm <laughs> sticking out from behind that cabinet. And like I knew it, because I've seen this movie before. This was Kim's first time. I looked for that arm when Hector 1 went back for the first time. And it's Hector 2, and the fucking arm is there! I'm like, <laughs> yes, this movie rocks! Oh, man. This is And this, this is where it becomes like back to the future world, right? Because we are seeing Hector... Hector 3 sort of standing back enough and watching Hector 1 and Hector 2 sort of scrambling around. That actually might be my favorite part about time travel movies is the people that are just like sneaking off in the background behind the shadows trying not to get noticed that are watching the movie happen in front of them. Yeah. I fucking love that. Because he's he's hands off. He knows Hector 2 is successful in getting Hector 1 into the machine. So his role doesn't come into play until they return to the house later that night. Yeah, it's each iteration of the time travel, of the person doing the time traveling, if they're going back and doing the exact same loop, has more info about the day so it's like they feel like they can master it more but by going back they're creating more problems so they're actually in a weaker position than they were as oh john you're getting too theoretical for me here (laughs) oh god well it's it's kind of like photocopying a photocopy and photocopying oh like the butt gets blurrier yeah the butt gets blurry and blur it no longer looks like a heart it's not a great christmas card it's just smudge it's just a blurry butt it's just a blurry (laughs) butt and no one wants to get chinese food with a blurry butt oh man But the the interesting thing about Hector 3 is that he has that realization that there's no way to succeed. 
I I love Hector three. the The growth of of Hector in this movie is so phenomenal. Yeah. Because I have so many different opinions of him from these time travel iterations. Like he's a dunderhead. He's bumbling around. He's lazy. There's so many great moments where he has to like sit down because he's, he's too tired. Or he's supposed to run and he doesn't even do that. And he's like Hector. <laughs> like it's a life or death thing. And he's like, turn the lights off. I can't make it to the silo. Like Hector <sighs> is a bumbling idiot. Yeah. And by the end, he is so bruised up. He is so injured. Oh, yeah. He's bleeding. He's, he's essentially been in head. two car accidents. Yeah, he's got black eyes. He looks disgusting. His jaw is so fucked. Like, his jaw is completely off. And also, his wife is dead. And so he has just got nothing left to yeah. lose. And he's so cold and he's so beyond at that point. That when he's he gets down to business, like he's a different version of the character we started with, and they've done a really successful job at like changing him to the point of just business. Like it, time travel is old hat to Hector Three, <laughs> and he hasn't really time traveled all that much. It's just like an evening. It's form. an afternoon. Yeah. So like, we- yeah, I had an alternate title for this movie. It's uh, Hector is no good. Very long. Very bad, <laughs> bad day. day. <laughs> That's so good. I mean, that could work about both of them. Like, if only, if if only uh, our our lead from the triangle had a had an H name like Heather instead of Jess. <laughs> oh well. It's so funny that Hector has such growth as a character because he is only repeating such a short period. It's not like he gets to go back and relive his whole goddamn life and become a new and person. like make the table for his wife. He doesn't even do that. <laughs> no, and in the end, he destroys that table. <laughs> Oh, they also do a really good job of um, of showing that. Like Hector Two understands how pathetic Hector One is, so you can you see moments where like you're you're seeing behind the scenes where uh, Hector Two bandaged up scares Hector One in a window, but he doesn't really do anything. He just like hey. But- <laughs> but to Hector 1 who's just like full of adrenaline and shit that's terrifying and then we watch Hector 2 sit down wait take a break yeah. and then just like stroll in and also like when he attacks the scientist he like whaps him with the crowbar but it's like the lightest tap cuz it's like he's too lazy to even be angry <laughs> uh, but they, they 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 do a great job of sort of differentiating them as well in in their looks like Hector 1 has a gray sweater and a lot of sweat. Hector 2 obviously is, is in the trench coat and the bandages for the majority of his loop. But Hector 3, uh, immediately when he gets out of the um, of the time travel tank, just rips off his, his gray sweater. There's a black long sleeve shirt underneath. Well, and he's also wounded beyond repair. Well, yeah, I guess that is true. <laughs> That's the first thing you'd notice. But it's it's very, it, it's, it's smart because like you just get to see the... Um, yeah. You can pick up easier who, yeah. who, who is. Yeah. yeah, and Triangle does it really smartly too. They And I think that's part of the reason why we have the bandaged bagged character. Yeah. Um, partly because they can't see themselves, but also because it helps differentiate the iterations of that person yeah. in their time loop. To us, yeah. Yeah. So Hector 3 has a bit of a dark night of the soul. He realizes that this isn't going to work. It's It's all going to fail. Until he gets back home, because he starts to see a completely different angle. That's that's the other interesting thing. So Hector 1 is almost all fear the whole time. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's easily manipulatable. Hector 2 only really experiences fear and anguish for a short period, and it completely colors everything for him. But when Hector 3 shows up, and he's now with his wife and the girl from the forest sort of uh, in tandem... 
at the house, he gets a completely different perspective of what's going on. And he realizes very quickly that his wife actually isn't in danger. As long as he's there. As long as Hector 3 is there. Yeah, and this is where the movie takes the darkest fucking turn. Because he immediately knows what he has to do. He has to essentially close the loop. And the only way to do that is, you know, rather the only way to save his wife, in his eyes, is to have somebody else die. Because he realizes that his wife never actually died. He just convinced himself, Hector 2, that it was his wife. So he would go back and do the loop to become Hector 3 and save the fucking day. Now I say save the day. He's a monster. <laughs> like he's, He does have to kill somebody. He has to fucking kill that girl in the forest who was just trying to help him out. This yeah. is why you don't help people. You just you just leave people <laughs> wounded on the side of the road. You look out for yourself. You and might no get time loop to death. <laughs> <laughs> he might get time loop to death. Yeah, he has to orchestrate this girl upstairs to the attic. He cuts her hair, puts his wife's jacket on her, so she looks like the wife yeah and he instructs her too like okay you know when i when i say go you have to sneak upstairs there's a window uh go out you'll be you know in the attic get out onto the roof he's already put an a ladder there because it's integral to the loop like he has to see the ladder and think that she's escaped hector too has to see the ladder and think that she's escaped but there is a fucking beat before he sends that girl off that is just so heartbreaking and evil like it's it's so much wrapped up into one moment it is all of the emotion that hector one two and three have experienced sort of crystallized in just looking into this girl in the forest's eyes he just grabs her hands and he looks at her he says you you're beautiful and he lets and he goes okay go and it's just like it's so (laughs) that fucking scene is so hard because he understands exactly what he's doing but he's got no other choice in his eyes. I mean, like, he, te- he does technically have a choice, but um, it's the only, like, the darkest possible conclusion for this story is the only way for him to see any light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what he's going to tell the cops when they show up. I know, because there's just this, this dead woman. Yeah, um, and he's fucked up! Like, how do you explain, like, eight hours worth of injuries when your wife went out for groceries? I guess you say a guy with bandages broke into my house, beat the fuck out of me. I guess he was chasing this girl who was also trying to escape yeah. and fell off the roof. The ending is also really satisfying how he pulls them both up chairs. Where they were sitting earlier. Yeah, and they're just, like, they sit there for this, like, moment of peace while the sirens are, like, closing in yeah. the distance. and she's like, should, should we go inside? He goes, no, 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 it's fine. We have a little while until the rain comes. Because he already knows, because Hector 2 is out there right now like they they can't really go anywhere he just knows that they're safe where they are and then we hear the girl die oh it's rough yeah it's so it's a good ending it's a really it is it is really fulfilling it is and that's the weird thing about time travel movies is if you ask me for like a live update on my rating i would i would start high yeah and and then i would get inevitably bored and think i have the movie convinced all right have the movie figured out and then back right back up yeah, I, I love where this movie goes. And I'm sorry that this episode has maybe seemed a little bit more like a recap than a discussion, but it's... It's hard to talk about a time travel movie without going through it. Yeah, especially if you haven't seen it. Um, And, and I hope you did. I mean, we got this movie at the dollar store for, for $2. $2. <laughs> it was good. We, we got it with uh, Let the Right One In for $1.50. I don't know why that one was a little cheaper. Also, but... I have to say the DVD copy that we bought of this movie had some really great fucking trailers at the beginning. Mostly for Let the Right One In. Ooh, I loved it. Like <laughs> and, it was... and HDNet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ask your cable provider for HDNet. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, it was great. Like, movies that went on DVD and you're like, nobody bought this. No. 
I like this trailer. <laughs> yeah, now available only on DVD. You're like, you time to, you've time Wrong turn yourself. 12. <laughs> yeah, there was that movie that seemed like, like Joyride. Oh, yeah, was, and it wasn't Joyride. No, it was, and just, they, it was Shuttle. Like, <laughs> what happens if you get on a shuttle bus? The wrong airplane shuttle. Yeah, and the shuttle bus driver is, is evil oh. for some reason. <laughs> it looked good. <laughs> no, it didn't. It looked like our kind of movie. It did. <laughs> Uh, so what is your rating on Time Crime? This is tough because, yeah, I think that, that middle lull really paints how I wanted to rate the movie, but it shouldn't. And it really, it starts great and it ends strong. And like that lull is intentional and it's got a lot of like building that it needs to do for its story. I am giving Time Crimes a three out of four. Jonathan, hmm? I'm giving Time Crimes a three and a half out of four. That's a, You know why? It's your first time. That's true. That's true. You you weren't wowed by the time. Time t- so t- <laughs> time, <laughs> time travel movies are hard to watch second and third times. How many times have you seen Time Crime? I've seen this movie a few times. <laughs> the very first time I saw it, um, I watched it like at work. <laughs> and like I shouldn't have been, but I was like, fuck it, I'm watching it. I've watched it on a laptop beside you. I, I, I honestly think I've made you see this movie before. But, I have like, not seen it. Okay, that's cool. That's great. Uh, I'm glad you really like it. I did really like it. Hector is a wonderful character, like the perfect character for a time travel movie because he's such an idiot. Yeah, if if uh, if we didn't have a horror movie podcast and this was just a regular movie podcast, you know, a boring movie podcast, I would have paired it. A lame it, movie podcast. Super lame movie podcast. I would have paired it with Primer because Primer, I think, is maybe one of the most complex time travel movies. It's very much like Time Crimes, but imagine like 30 loops. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, and so, and it's two people that are doing it to try and fix one mistake, but then you find out that maybe one person was going back and traveling again without the other person. Oh shit! It's, yeah, so it's it's a very complex movie and it's very hard to crack, and I don't think I have figured it out. Ooh! But I, if you are in the mood for a time travel, movie, I am. I would love to watch that one with you tonight. Okay. Is it dark though? It's not dark enough for the podcast, okay. but it is dark. Okay. You'd see it at a genre film festival. All right. Not enough nightmare? Become a patron of Nightmare on Film Street to instantly access hours of bonus episodes. Unlock frightfully good rewards like shout-outs on the show, stickers, and more. Only at patreon.com slash nightmare on film street. <laughs> But instead, we're going to talk about a movie that's got a ghost ship. We're going to talk about... Seagulls. We're going to talk about <laughs> evil seagulls. I want that on a t-shirt, by the way. <laughs> evil seagull. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's got Robert Pattinson on the back. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about 2009's The Triangle. I think it's just Triangle. Oh, shit. Triangle. I tried to do your voice. 2009's Triangle. You know what I do when I have a bad dream? I close my eyes and I think of something nice. Hello? Where is everybody? You enter a place you have never been. I recognize this corridor. Everything you see, you have seen before.
again. That's what's going on. Everything that happened to you happened to you before. He's dead! Change the pattern. You change the pattern and you're not trapped. Who are you? Triangle from 2009, directed by Christopher Smith, who also directed Creep. Not that one. Uh, <laughs> that other one. That one about a subway. <laughs> Actually, we have an article about it on the website. It's really good. Uh, Triangle is currently sitting at an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes, 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb, and 3.7 out of 5 on Letterboxd. find it hard to believe there's no Metacritic rating, but... This is the world we live in. <laughs> um, so I saw this movie, I think, relatively soon after it was released. Definitely. Yeah, and I remembered really liking it. I had not seen it since then. I remember being, I remember really underestimating it. Like, oh, sure, boat movie. And then it hooked me because it was just like, yo, you like time travel, bro? We got loops. We got loops for days in this movie. Is this movie even in the Bermuda Triangle? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Isn't it? I, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know. I don't know. They don't, maybe. Maybe the boat came from the Bermuda Triangle. Uh, maybe maybe it's just like that cloud formation Ooh, that was a that was a hard one <laughs> <laughs> maybe that that weather pattern that they went through is just the bermuda triangle oh yeah there was that weather pattern they're in florida they did have a weather well how about that <laughs> the weather done did it <laughs> i fucking called this movie when we watched now granted we have seen it before don't get me wrong but there is a moment at the beginning of this movie where like the music swells and everybody's getting on the boat and they're packing it's sort of optimistic like let's oh yeah, and like the biggest let's, dick let's in the sailing. room <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I, big time travel energy i was like this is the end shot of the movie like this, these are the fun this is end credits right final after this. moments guys i waited at the finish line of this movie for my applause no one gave it to me we all just rolled our eyes <laughs> and by we all i mean it was just me and john watching this movie i had to roll my eyes for a whole thing theater worth of people (laughs) (laughs) i live on that energy um time travel time crimes no it doesn't work anymore right the movie's actually there i wanted to do this movie these (laughs) we have an episode called time crimes that's what i'm saying like i wanted to do time crimes in the podcast so bad and instead i made him do the butterfly effect (laughs) (laughs) no no well at that point talk to me for weeks i just i just didn't think it was ever gonna happen i'm like all right fine let's kiss it goodbye we'll just it's a great name it's it's like when you're trying to name a band in high school like like a baby (laughs) (laughs) you throw away a lot of babies before you get the right name no in in high school when you're trying to name a band this is the exact conversation oh man what about like this you're like that's a really cool album title name but not a good band name is that how you say no to your bandmates without it like your band falling apart basically like, yeah you don't, so you don't break up like no you have bad ideas you're not allowed to write the lyrics <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of what it comes down to oh boy what was your worst band name of all your band names like actual band name that we used yeah or or working band name Ooh. anything that got written down at the top of a piece of lined piece of paper <laughs> i don't remember a lot of the ones that didn't stick but i was in oh man this is dangerous like what if it's a myspace page that still exists uh <laughs> i was in a band in high school uh called ignominy uh and uh, that i is, liked that band name it's it, okay it's not that bad but it, like you have you to just explain gotta get a it. good metal font you got the you need the <laughs> font that's the thing and like <laughs> 
Can you imagine it in Courier? Like, oh, they <laughs> thesaurus. Comic Sans ignominy. Like, actually, to be perfectly honest, uh, using Comic Sans for a band name is ignominious. I think that's the term. Ignominious. Sure. It's uh, what does ignominy mean? Uh, it's 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 the act of embarrassing yourself in public. Which really? I, which I thought was so perfect for a band. I love that. <laughs> that's so not metal that it's metal. It was meta metal. Yeah. Meta metal. There we go. Heavy uh-huh. meta. I like it. Thank we you. had an episode called Heavy Meta, didn't we? We, we sure did. <laughs> it's all for full full circle. Like time travel. Well, time is a flat circle, and here we are. Uh, the triangle is a Not movie. a circle. <laughs> I, you know what? Fuck that. No, what I want to talk about are is the 20 minutes where they first show up on the boat. So we've got a bunch of people who apparently don't know each other. What is Jess's relationship to the captain of this boat who has invited her to go sailing. Friends. But like, like how? I don't know. Like I get the impression she works at a diner and he eats at that diner and she was and he was like, "You should come on my boat." And she's like, "That definitely doesn't sound like a murder plot. I'll be there." Yeah. I think they've got I think that is true. They're I think warm. that's how they've met. Yeah. I think that is Cuz they definitely have romantic tension. Like he wants yeah. to date her. He's concerned about her son. Yeah, and he knows that he goes to school every day of the week. Because it's a special school. There you go. Yeah. But then his other boat companions, there's a couple who are like kind of snotty, a little snobby. And then they've brought like a blind date sort of for him. For Greg, yeah. Yeah. And then, but he's already brought a girl. So then there's just like fifth wheels all around. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Yeah, You need enough people to get mad to start killing each other on a boat. I'm okay with this setup. But the way everybody talks, it's like almost nobody knows each other. I think Greg knows those two people and that's it. The other kid he hired. And I oh, think I forgot about that kid. The baby Liamsworth? Yeah. Liam Hemsworth? That's the name. <laughs> baby Liamsworth. <laughs> yeah. He, I don't know how he knows anybody. Yeah. Maybe he's just there to help like put the sale up. Yeah. It's, it sounds like he's some rich kid who just gave up everything to live on a boat. And he's using the last of his money to buy fuel for the boat and pay for this kid to hoist the sail. <laughs> and none of that doesn't sound like the beginning of a true crime story. Like, that definitely ends with him murdering that kid at sea. No, no, sorry. That kid disappearing at sea. That's that's how that story Except ends. that he's got kind eyes and he looks like a nice man. That's very true. So, they're on this boat for not very long because... There's some, like, tensions between who's talking to who and who's steering the boat. But then weather pattern happens. Mm, they get that the fucking boat. crazy-ass storm. And, oh, we do have time for Jess, our main character, to have a nap. Yep. And have a weird dream. What's So what's up with that nap? Because it's like her mind gets erased during that nap. I think her mind gets erased from the nap that she has in the cab at the beginning of the movie to the because oh. I think she's so distraught that she's fugue stating. We'll get to and that. And so we're in some fugue loops. <laughs> fugue loops. <laughs> Part of a full balanced breakfast. <laughs> oh, man. Well, yeah, when she wakes up, they, they get into this weird weather pattern. The boat tips. And, you know, just as they're out there floating for a few days, uh, a, a cruise ship comes by and they're able to to get on board. They just board this empty ass cruise ship. Well, they see somebody they on see there. Somebody up top, so, like, being they, they, elusive and weird. Yeah, and it's not like it doesn't look like a ghost ship from Although, the outside. It's a hundred percent a ghost ship. It's thousand percent. But it's not like it's like rotting and there's like a ghost face in the stern of it and there's like bodies lashed to the side. Like it's it looks relatively inviting. 
Other than the fact that it's just like coasting by for no reason. By the way, when he calls the Coast Guard, and uh, I just want to find out if you know this, because it might blow your mind. He says, Coast Guard, you got any like weird weather going on? We went from seven knots to zero, and you know they haven't reported anything. Do you know how fast seven knots is? No. So if I remember correctly. Is that wind or sp- that's the speed. Okay. That, that's the, the speed, speed of, of the a boat. boat. Yeah. So it's like kilometers per hour. You okay. judge it by knots, right? Uh, I like that. And you're going by wind. Because boats so are all about knots. Like literal knots and figurative I, knots and speed knots. I didn't even fucking think about that. That's hilarious. Um, I'm probably wrong. So anybody out there listening who is a boating person is going to laugh. But it was explained to me as a child and I've held onto it as <laughs> truth. Clearly fact. Could never Google that this. That it's roughly two kilometers or two miles per hour which means they were going 14 miles an hour 14 kilometers an hour that seems fast on a boat does it you could run that right no you could run 14 kilometers in an hour how much is that in miles an hour not that many i don't think there's three point something yeah it's probably like 10 miles an hour that's still kind of fast yeah, I bogged this down with some fun math. Oh, boy. Oh. Anyway, they get onto a ship, and Jess is like, it's weird. I feel like I've been here before. Doesn't everybody have deja vu? And instead, they're all just, like, going around looking for their missing friend. And, like, which is kind of a key to this, that when the boat... Yeah, sh- when the boat tips, they lose a friend. They lose Heather. <laughs> uh, and, you know, they're, they're certain that Heather got to the cruise ship She also they made t- it on the cruise ship. Before them. <laughs> because drowning in the ocean is an impossibility during a storm. Yeah, not at all. Uh, on the other hand, they do see somebody on the ship, so they think maybe that's Heather. But or Heather- somebody who's piloting the boat, maybe. Yeah, and Heather... Yeah, because they, get- they don't know it's a ghost ship at what- this point. That implies that the ship is empty like oh heather like no that would not be your first thought like you are very clearly dehydrated and dying because uh, yeah that, that that means that you think it's a ghost ship already and throughout so that they're they're roaming the halls they're eating food that they find in this ghost ship mm-hmm. and jess our main character is doing this whole like i feel like i know where to go i feel like i've been here before oh my god my keys are here on the ground and at no point does she go in her pockets and be like, key's gone. <laughs> Which upset me because I was like, should you not have two keys at this moment? Yeah, either that or you lost a set of keys when the boat tipped. Mm. Right. It's all coming together. Okay. Doesn't make sense. But like, there's also like ominous messages written in blood on the mirror that say, go to the theater. Like, oh, that must have been Heather. I think Heather told us to go to the theater. Like, why would she leave a message in blood? Uh. also there's no bodies so like and there's no bodies in general like they the people that inhabited this boat have just vanished vanished yeah there's no sign of them whatsoever uh you know and then of course while um while jess is in the dining area i think victor comes in and he's very clearly wounded he starts attacking jess and she has to sort of fight him until she kills him by sticking her finger in a hole in the back of his head yeah, whatever. Works. Whatever works. <laughs> yeah, you got to do what you got to do. And when she gets to the theater, she basically sees the rest of her friends killed in front of her. And Being it becomes... shot by somebody with a bag head yeah. from the balcony. Kind of looks like the dude from uh, the town that dreaded sundown. It's a good look. It is it, great for time travel. Yeah. I'm, I'm loving these rehashed faceless men. Yeah. Uh, Some but... brown boat shoes, nice blue suit <laughs> jacket. But while they're being shot at, Sally, the snobby girlfriend, tells Jess that she, she was the one that was shooting at them. Yeah, like they, or the, the person who is dying, Greg, I think, says that uh, Jess shot She was shot the one me, that yeah. shot him. Yeah, so there's a lot of like weird, weird stuff, stuff happening, yeah. right? And because eventually time just, yeah, it, travels. It just, be- 
it becomes a showdown between this bandaged person and Jess, and she, uh, you know, in an armed fight after the, the... With, like, axes and crowbars. <laughs> yeah, like, at some point, this bandaged person is shooting at her, runs out of bullets, and then just throws the gun. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, knocks her off the boat. Sorry, knocks this person off the boat. We don't know that it's Jess yet, uh, but it's a time travel movie. Because the time be, has right? not traveled yet. On the other hand, we didn't know it was a time travel movie, so we were just like, wow, they're killing people fast. Yeah, I was just like, we're running out of people. But then, as soon as Baghead is in the water, being eaten by seagulls, the upturned boat with them The comes, entire crew. Comes back. Yeah, and they're trying to get on the boat. So now Jess is seeing herself and all of her friends in Getting this back on the boat. Yeah. And then it, it just, you know, like like Time Crimes becomes this cat and mouse game, essentially, between her and the group, trying not to be discovered, sort of replaying scenarios and figuring out where her involvement is in their story. She is the person that accidentally injures Victor. The weird thing here is that we we don't have a, as many orchestrated loops as Time Crimes does. If you ask me how many loops there were in Triangle, I would not be able to answer there's you. There's several? Because there's a lot of really cool moments where we realize that Jess has been doing this for a very long fucking very time. Long. There is... It's the it's my favorite moment of the movie where she is like hunting down Sally. She's trying to explain to her, don't be scared, don't be afraid, I'm not here to hurt you, you have to calm down. And Sally crawls up to this weird top portion of the boat where she's trying to escape she's hit a dead end and there are like a hundred dead sally bodies and she's just like crawling backwards through bodies of herself yeah it is probably the best moment of the movie oh it's so nuts Um, because she can't understand what's going on and then on and then on top of that she's faced with this pure horror that she just can't would, comprehend. Yeah, yeah, which just break her goddamn mind. Yeah. I find that the saddest, I think most of them, I think they all basically die in the exact same places every time. Yeah. But something about not cleaning up that body makes me very sad. Because she doesn't need to. It's I out of the way and she's the only one that'll discover it. That, that's true. And she doesn't have time. The loop happens as soon as it ends. That That is the weird thing. It's like she has to, after each of these loops, she has to go back into the boat, to the theater, to the dining room, get these bodies and just dispose of them yeah because they can't discover their own dead bodies maybe you can answer this for me because it's at this point in the movie where i get confused as to why jess then decides she needs to start killing people off because she 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 goes off this because a past version of herself when she first kills the baghead version of her yeah which isn't the first loop but it's the first loop we join her for her yeah Says you have to kill them all in order to see your but son, basically. I don't think we hear her say anything. We just hear, like, muffled talking. Like, she still doesn't know what's going on. Well, at one point she hears the baghead version version of her saying, kill them all. You have to kill them. Like, they can't board the boat. You yeah. have to kill them. Yeah, and she also comes across uh, a bunch of pieces of paper that are saying the exact same thing. And she discovers it's her handwriting. It's pretty great. It is actually a really good moment. Because, um, like, like Sally's body, we have hundreds of these pieces of paper. Well, and the cool thing about that moment is that she would do the same thing every time. So it's not like she's just written this down a hundred times. She writ- she wrote it once, and then the second time she was writing to compare her handwriting. Yeah. The third time she was comparing her handwriting. The fourth time she was comparing her handwriting. So it's it's a really great loop in that moment. Um, but I don't understand. Like, she's she's killing everybody repetitively on this loop because she's under the impression that at some point she's going to be able to get back to her son so she's killing for the sake of her son 
But her loop is interesting because we, we follow the same girl on, we follow the same version of Jess on multiple loops, but Jess's loop is longer than everybody else's loop. So she's still on her first loop. Yeah. Like we only ever see her on one loop, but her loop, because she's a survivor of her group, she stays on the boat for multiple loops of her companions. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, totally. So it's, their loops are looping faster than hers. Yeah, it's all it's all it's kind of like time crimes. I think we get three or four re- relative loops through Jess's eyes because we have her in her first experience, her sort of in the shadows, and then and then embracing the baghead character. But it's all in her first loop because yeah, she hasn't no, no, to- left the boat. Absolutely, absolutely. But I think what the message they give her is not to let them on the boat. Don't let them on the boat. But wh- where would she get that information? Um, well, I think it's just her assumption because she, I guess she would think that the boat is the loop. That's what the movie is trying to yeah. establish to us. Like if, if they don't get on the boat, you've broken the loop. Yeah. Something. You'll break the loop. Hopefully Coast Guard will come find you. You'll be rescued. You'll go back and see yourself. So what I was thinking in that instance though, is that the Jess in this version is kind of like greater good killing all these loop versions in hopes that the version of her that hasn't made it on the boat yet will then parent her son. Like, I don't know if she knows if she is ever going to be the version of her that gets to go and parent her son. That is that is one of the problems with this movie is, and this is true about a lot of time travel movies, mm-hmm. it has that idea that, like, there's a loop, I need to lock into it, I need to complete the loop, but we don't necessarily get the why. Because she just accepts it and goes with it. Mm-hmm. I, I find, that's what I love about time crimes because- Because there should be some ego in that scenario where it's, where she should have self-preservation and knowing that like she might not be the end version of her at the closing of the loop. Yeah. She might assume so because she's a human being that has what she thinks is free will and, mm-hmm. and um, but yeah, like- I just don't understand why she's so quick to like start killing people. And... I don't. The, the the killing people is the part that I don't quite get at all. Uh, because I think the goal is don't get on the boat. Don't let them get on the boat. If I remember correctly, mm-hmm. I hope I'm not wrong. I hope it isn't. Don't let them leave the boat. <laughs> like, <laughs> it could be way off. But I think yeah. I think the idea is the boat is the loop. Don't get on the boat. The boat is is the scare zone. And I think I don't necessarily know why she has to clean up the bodies, other than for us as viewers to have this loop where they're rediscovering. Where there's a clean scenes. loop at the beginning. Yeah, because yeah. if the goal is don't let them on the boat, all you have to do if they get on the boat is kill them, so the loop repeats, and then don't let them get on the boat. Yeah, but it's just like try again. Yeah, it's like they don't. She doesn't get to the safety ladder fast enough to stop them because if she has a gun, it stands to reason that she could kill them any other way, set up traps cage him let him die of starvation who gives a shit and wait by the ladder and then shoot at them as they attempt to go to the ladder to get on the boat like at some point the boat will pass them by yeah like if there's just a baghead like shooting at them as they they pass by that cruise ship they're not gonna fucking board yeah they might say let's not get on that boat (laughs) but whatever The, the the interesting thing though is that like every other baghead character she fails and in her failure she tries to warn new jess don't let them get on the boat. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to stop them. And she gets pushed off like every other bad kid character we've seen. Um, but instead of dying or being eaten by seagulls, like some of the other dead bodies that have been thrown overboard, she winds up on shore. Yeah, and that almost seems inconsequential to anything that's happening on the boat. For her, all she needed to do was jump off the boat, maybe? Like, yeah. I, 
I don't know what how she ends up on shore so like fine and dandy. Well, I think it's the Bermuda Triangle. I think it's just supposed to be weird, right? Yeah. Like she traveled, I don't know, a hundred miles to shore, and you know, it only took a minute. Like it's 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 just weird. Because well, a... it's still the same day, isn't it? It's earlier that morning. Yeah. Oh yeah, because she goes back in time. Yeah. So she in the morning before she goes to the boat, we have all these weird, like not all of these weird things, but. Uh, you know, somebody knocks on her door. There's nobody there. There's She gets a weird feeling when she's in the backyard. Like, there is an ominous sense of something going on in the beginning of the movie yeah. before she gets to the boat. And we see that again. She arrives. She's the person that knocks on the door. But she, in this way, we, we see her spying on herself and we get more of a view of her morning. And we realize that... She's kind of a shit person. Yeah, she's really not a great mom. And, you know, like, maybe she is, but... She's just exacerbated. She's at the end of her rope, and she hits her kid. Yeah, I think she's in a dark place right now, and she's taking it out on her son. And she... It makes her very sad to see. And knowing that that's not the kind of person she wants to be, she sneaks into the house and fucking kills herself. Like, she kills the bad version of herself, which is technically a jest that we've never seen in the movie. Because from there, she loads her kid into the car, they go for a drive, they're gonna go on the boat, because everybody in the movie keeps saying, hey, where's Tommy? I thought you were gonna bring Tommy, but, oh, Tommy's, I left him at school today. Uh, And everybody just accepts that, and it's cool. We forget how weird she was in the beginning of the movie, Mm -hmm. but we find out, final moments of the movie, she hits a seagull, and it really disturbs her son. And... This is another thing in the movie where it just kind of like... Lots of seagulls. This has to happen. Yeah. The kid has to freak out. She has to go under the road and throw the seagull. Yeah, like we find out that she's still following her loop just the way she she should be yeah. for this time loop to be existing. Yeah, because there's like a hundred dead seagulls down there. She's done this a bunch. Yeah, so she realizes that in killing that version of herself and kidnapping her son, she has not broken the loop yet. Nope. And... They get in a car accident because, one, she's been awake for like 37 real hours. That's a good point. (laughs) That's a really good point. And uh, her son dies. So motivation to get to the fucking boat. And the body of the Jess that she has murdered in her house pops out of the trunk. And everybody, I guess, assumes that she was part of the the car accident. So on paper, Jess and Tommy are dead. Mm -hmm. But we've got this otherworldly Jess who is just floating around now. But then a mysterious cab driver comes to pick her up. That's the weirdest part of the movie, because you're just like, who are you? This cab driver is definitely supernatural. Like, this yes, is like the ferryman like, that brings her from one side of the shore to the other. Yeah, he's just like, get back in your loop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how Especially because time travel is always about answering all of these questions with, I say practical as if time travel is real, like plausible ways. So like, She's the one that's getting herself to the boat because she's killed her kid and she's killed her kid because she's gone back to try to break the loop, whatever. Yeah. But then when you add this ferryman into it, it adds this like metaphysical element, it's which strange. I don't like instantaneously. But as soon as you said ferryman, I was like, ooh, I think I'm into it. <laughs> yeah, like that, that it's not so bad on, on face level. And like what I what I like about it is is assuming that the boat is the loop. And the loop only exists in the boat. But because and she I like escaped that, the boat yeah. and went to her house, the loop now the loop As now exists. The real yeah, world. it exists outside of just the boat. Yeah. Because not only is that continuing to happen for her, that's continuing to happen everywhere. Because we Yeah, have, like every time there's a version of Jess that gets on the boat, it's the version of Jess that killed her son. Yes. And she seems to forget that 
when she gets to the boat. Yeah, she's, I, she seems so like, I've been here before, I'm doing this. And then it's the beginning of the film because she's got this like fugue state. She's in this weird amnesia. I, the problem, I guess, is that it comes off as grief. It looks like she is distraught mm-hmm. more than she is in, in a fugue state. And yeah. like, I, I guess, yeah, like she, she's hit her head very hard, obviously. Uh, she has, she falls asleep in the cab, which you shouldn't do with a head injury. She has a Especially nap when, when she gets on the boat. Especially when the cab driver is like ominous as fuck. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's there. He's not, not o- taking you to the ferry. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So like, yeah, I guess she's supposed to have his head injury and she's just supposed to not necessarily know where she is or what's going on, but it's played too much like grief to me. Mm-hmm. So maybe that maybe that's just how I'm seeing it. I know? definitely get the grief when we watch it the second time when we like when we end cap the movie with or when we bookend the movie with the beginning. Yeah. It feels like grief. Yeah. But the first time it's just she just seems like a sad, lost person. Yeah, so that that's what I'm saying. Like sad, lost, like something has gone wrong is mm. is what I'm seeing in it. Okay. And I I will say I did not necessarily remember the Tommy stuff. I figured like, oh, at some point we're gonna deal with that and see how that figures into it. I'd forgotten that she kills herself. And then she gets into a car accident with her son. So I wasn't necessarily remembering the ending mm-hmm. going into the movie. But it did seem like something went wrong. Tommy is not okay. Or or something, right? As soon as they mentioned her kid, I was like, oh, the son's dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, you really only bring up kids in horror movies like this if something bad's going to happen to them. Yeah. Like you got to remind them that they're there. So that way when you're, oh, right, the kid. Oh, God, the kid. Yeah. And, but what I think is so interesting about this movie is the fact that the loops exist within her own loop. Like, how long yeah. she's on the boat. And then for us to realize her loop begins and ends back on the land. Yeah. You know what I mean? As much. So actually what is kind of interesting about this movie is that all of those friends die and their loop starts again. She is always all of herself because she never dies. That's the thing. Yeah. She never dies. She, she goes on the boat. She does, you know, a few rounds of the baghead character. And then she goes off the boat onto the shore, back home, back on the boat. She doesn't stop. She's in, she's in fucking hell. And maybe that's one way to look at it. She died in a car accident with her son on the way to the boat to go sailing for the day. The ferryman, instead of taking her to a nice happy place, which is probably where her son went, the cab driver, the ferryman, brings her to her own personal hell. And that is this long day. Well, she has to kill her friends over has, and over yeah, and over again. Yeah. In sake of saving her son, who she could never, ever save. And then herself. And there's some redemption. Like, I'm a good person. And then she gets that for five minutes, maybe. Before, uh, before the, the, the thing that she was trying to protect from herself dies in her hands, basically. Fuck. This movie got better. Yeah, that just, <laughs> this, like... This movie just got better. What Ooh. the hell? Man, I think you just added a star to my rating, John. God damn. Fuck. The only thing I can't answer is why she starts killing people on the fucking boat. I, it, it, it comes from self-defense, right? Like, it starts as self-defense. It starts as, like, recognizing something that's supposed to happen. And there are a few instances where she's not killing people so much as she's trying to, like, scare them. Yeah. And, but then it just becomes, like, The thing that gets war. me is when she goes to the boot of the boat, or whatever you call it. Yeah. Yeah, the, sure. The, the aft. The, I think the aft is, like, the back left corner. The bowels of the boat. Sure. It's called the bowels. bowels. It is, is it? called the bowels. There's, like, a locker room for, I guess, like, the coal guys, like the low-level guys, and there's, like, a shotgun and shotgun shells, and there are these moments where she's, like, putting the jacket on, and she's filling the shotgun like and stuff. And just, to it. Yeah, and you're just like, 
are we here yet? Have we dissented this far? That's the thing. It's it's because she's getting messages from herself, and she sees so many lockets. And like, what would a mother like? What wouldn't a mother do to see her son again? And so I I guess what we have to remember now, having seen the whole movie, is that that person. No, that's not even true. I was gonna say that person knows that her son is dead. She doesn't. That's exactly. So she would have motivation to go back and fix the past if she remembered that, but she doesn't. You're right. By giving her some sort of amnesia, it it negates any motivation for her to go quote-unquote crazy and kill people Mm -hmm. if we can still have all those moments and it even makes the ending darker because she's like yeah let's do this i'm willing to kill all of you to see my son again that's cool the only instinct she has that is when she's walking away from the crash right that's the only moment where she has that feeling because that's the only moment where she has all of the awareness of the the previous yes and then it, it for some reason it it disappears on the way to the yeah the boat because like, we know even, her headspace at the beginning of the film. She's not aware. She's killed her son. No. She might have some kind of like subconscious memory of, of it. Just trauma. Like something. Yeah. Something's not right. Something's gone wrong. I had a really strange nightmare, but I can't place but it. But like, let's spend a day boating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody else is ready to just drink champagne in the fucking sun. And she's just like, is it okay if I lie down a little bit? Like, that's fine and all. But like, you do not look like you're going to be the life of the party. <laughs> I think you should stay here. Yeah. Hmm. Well, goddamn, this is why this podcast is important to us. Like, because, (laughs) and like this, this, this is why we've always liked talking about movies. You go see a movie, you have an impression on it, and you talk about it for an hour over pie, over microphones, whatever, whatever. (laughs) Whatever you're into. Yeah. And all of a sudden you learn things about it that you never thought you would appreciate. Yeah, I didn't have any idea of it being like, um... Like a perpetual hell kind of thing. The director is listening to this podcast thinking, you don't understand you my movie. <laughs> you you missed everything. <laughs> this, none of this is right. I Yeah, so I have to say, though, that the whether or not I agreed with the murder and stuff, the visuals of the dead Sallys. Oh, man. In that one so great. upper deck. Fucking worth the whole mid- middle of the movie. It's great. It's the one of the greatest images in horror. And it's so crazy that I I rarely hear about this movie talked about. Um, occasionally it'll come up though and you get the and people are just like yeah "Yeah." because it's it's so easy to underestimate like it doesn't I don't think it's all it was on anybody's radar it was also on Netflix for a very long time it it might be in the states I'm not sure it's not here in Canada anymore it's on Roku uh if you found it on Roku do you remember what channel on popcorn flicks popcorn flicks yeah, you just got to watch it with a ton of Christmas ads. <laughs> oh, man. Those those ad blocks are crazy. They come every like 15 minutes. F- five like, of the same commercial. Yeah, you're... you're. Oh, we had a lot some, of Uber Eats ads. There are some good I Uber really Eats like ads. That. I like that Uber Eats guy. I hope he gets like um, Old Spice big. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Because he's so sweet. It is good. It's like it's just like a day in the life of an Uber driver. And he's, <laughs> he's a funny when guy. When he gets stuck on that... Um, porch where they're caroling yeah that was that's a class there's some good comedic beats in it i like it a lot but um, it is very strange to watch the same ad 30 times during a movie i wonder if it works effectively because we're here talking about it we remembered it yeah i i, I have the, all the beats of that commercial we ordered a pizza last night not on uber eats <laughs> it did make us want fast food i guess all right so what is your rating of the triangle my rating of the triangle is a solid 2.5 that's how i'm sitting out of what uh, out of four. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did not expect to rate the movie that high. As we've talked about it, I appreciate it. 
a little bit more than I did. And yeah, there are some great visuals in this movie. I have to say, John, for being the time travel expert on the podcast, <clears throat> the self-proclaimed time travel lover. Oh, yeah. I'm giving this it's a easy to three sell. out of four. I rated both of these movies higher than you. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I've just OD'd on time travel movies. <laughs> I'm just along for the ride, and I just appreciate all the perpetual sadness. Hey, you guys want some time travel recommendations? Hit me up on Twitter. I've seen them all. I love them all. They're all great. Um, there's a really good one that was hitting the festival circuit in 2019 called The Incredible Shrinking Weekend, and it's my new favorite. It's very, 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 very Question good. Question for you. Yeah. Jacob's Ladder. Is that a time travel movie? Absolutely not. But is it? No. Could you argue? It's a fever dream movie. Mm. Could you argue? So he doesn't really repeat a lot of scenes. He just goes about his regular day, has a nightmare, like like a nightmare experience. Okay, I've got another one for you. Got it. Let's do it. David Lynch fire. movies. Are they all time travel movies? Ooh, shit. Um... Twin Peaks, time travel, yes or no? So the, the only episode <laughs> that really makes it feel like a time travel episode is the very last episode of season three. Oh, so the thesis of the It's film. possible. I mean, there's also that thing where like Agent Cooper goes into like the weird glass box right before the monster eats everybody's faces. I'm going to say no. That's more like a cool world scenario where like real life characters are interacting with real life people. TLDR, my Twin Peaks theory, I think... Twin Peaks The Return sees the characters become real people. Like That's the best way I can describe what it. What about that scene in Lost Highway with that creepy guy at that party? Okay, so... <laughs> so... So it's not even necessarily like the pale face man that like makes Lost Highway a time travel movie. By the way, Nacho Vigalondo thinks the the Lost Highway is the best movie ever made. So I'm sure it's a huge influence on his own films. Uh, oh, we brought that full circle. Thank you. The, the 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 Lost Highway itself is kind of like the. Um, I like how intense you're getting. <laughs> it feels like the room just had a bunch of coffee. <laughs> Uh, I, oh, I can't I can't remember the name of it. The Mobius Strip. So Lost Highway. Oh, God. Kind of like a Mobius Strip where you can travel. What the fuck is a Mobius Strip, John? Okay. Um, <laughs> everybody take out a pen and paper. You can't just drop Mobius Strip like in the middle of a sentence. Okay, so a Mobius Strip is like a figure, L, figure eight loop, right? And it's got two surfaces. Oh, like an impossible yes. shape. Yes, and you if, if you were to drive... If, if it were a road and you drove in one direction, you would drive on both sides of the road and eventually repeat back to where you were. The easiest way to do it is to cut a piece of paper, twist it, other. now you have a Mobius strip because it makes a figure eight. And if you travel your hand across it, you go across the top and then seamlessly across what your brain perceives as the bottom. Until so you you're think back on everything the David Lynch does is a Mobius strip? I will say that I think Lost Highway and Mulholland Drive are kind of the thesis of almost all of his films. Not all of them, obviously. We got Elephant Man. We got Wild at Heart. They're a little different. But he is kind of doing the Mobius strip thing. And from what I understand, a lot of it comes from the idea that a person can believe they are something they are not. And then believe that so hard that they become that. Like, you got any other ones? You want, why I don't know. <laughs> I, think, I think Mobius is kind of time travel Mobius is kind of time travel They are definitely kissing cousins. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let us know what you think of time travel, uh, time crimes, triangle, whatever you've got, Mobius strips, David Lynch. We now have a hotline, and you can call and leave us a voicemail. 
Uh, just ring us at 705-400-9415. And you don't even have to talk about this week's podcast if you have an opinion on a previous episode, if you have a hot take, if you want to promote your movie or you just have a question or something to say, call, leave us a voicemail. You got like two minutes. And if you're lucky, if we love it, if it's hilarious and weird, you might hear it on a future episode of Nightmare on Film Street. And you can hear more Nightmare on Film Street at patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street. It's where we have our archive of all of our backlog episodes. That all are... those early terrible recordings oh, of Nightmare on Film Street. I don't Film even Street. know why I bring it up. I don't actually want you to listen to it. But anyway, <laughs> it's all over there at patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street, where we also have a lot of good content, bonus episodes, drive home from the drive-in reviews of your favorite new in theater films right now. You can support us at patreon.com slash nightmare on film street. And of course, you can just let us know what you thought of this week's episode, your other favorite time travel movies on Twitter at NOFS podcast. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram at nightmare on film street. And of course, why not join us in the subreddit at reddit.com slash R slash nightmare on film street. I hang out mostly in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash horror fiends of NOFS. We'll be back at you again next Thursday with another episode. But until then, I'm Kim. I'm John. Stay Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive. But we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends.